on today's Halloween special episode, we go over a couple of serial killers. Why not? We go over Dr. Linda Hazard and Starvation Heights and a story about Dr. Death, Harold Shipman himself. More coming up for you on today's Halloween special episode. Stay tuned, spooky listeners. Listen if you dare, as we unfold stories of unexplained happenings and phenomena. Write in at unexpectedhaunting739 at gmail.com. This is where the unexpected and ghost stories are brought into reality. This is Unexpected Haunting. That's right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Unexpected Hauntings. Ben here, right in to unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And today's special episode for Halloween, we have finally made it to the spooky day that we all long for for this whole year. Halloween. I hope that everyone is going to have a very safe and amazing Halloween day. And I figured we would try and do something different and do a little bit of a twist. And what is Halloween without going over serial killers? That that has that little spooky aspect about it. No paranormal episodes today. We have our, our dear friend that actually was able to uh, send us info about this serial killer, Dr. Linda Hazard and Starvation Heights, um, which is a very, very fucking interesting story about someone um, that not only is serial killer, but is known as well um, for doing it just effort- effortlessly. Um, and thank you so, so very much for um for sending us that in Lexi it's so good so awesome thank you so very much for letting us know about that and um while I was going through the things um I stumbled across um the story of Dr. Death aka Harold Shipman it was between him or the BTK killer if you guys don't know the BTK killer that's a pretty intense story as well of the clown killer but i decided let's go with dr death this dude has killed over 200 of his patients before his arrest in 1998 that is just so insane so crazy and um i figured it'd be a pretty cool to be able to just kind of go over these serial killers um for this episode and uh yeah I hope that everyone has an awesome, amazing Halloween day. Um, Perfect for just hanging out at the house, handing out candy, or if you're going out trick-or-treating, make sure to be careful out there as there's always crazy people out at night around this time of year as well. Um, And um, I hope that we can enjoy uh, these serial killer stories. And if anyone... Excuse me, if anyone would like 
to share any more information on some more serial killers maybe we can do a portion of um, the podcast where we talk about uh, serial killers and have like a series to that that would be kind of cool um, to tie that around there um, but uh, but yeah be great be awesome and you know who else is great and awesome you are we want to hear from you write in or send us a media file of your ghost stories or paranormal experiences or whatever what have you to unexpected hauntings 739 at gmail.com we'd love to hear that that would be amazing we're gonna go um straight into these and um if you have any questions or answers towards any of this write in or do the q a to spotify excuse me not write in i don't know what i'm thinking <laughs> do the q a on spotify we'd love to hear from you and also give us a five star rating while you're at it why not right it's, it's right there yeah, you know it's, it's dangling right in front of your face you know it's, it's just right there hit that five star do it do it why, why, aren't, why aren't you doing it come on i know you can do it <laughs> it's gonna be a amazing episode and thank you guys so very much for your continued support of our ghost podcast it has been amazing to be back it really has um i just love this headspace and sharing this with you guys and y'all sharing your stories and your experiences would be awesome and if not then no worries we'll we will um we'll try and figure out um different things that we can go through and if you have any ideas of things you'd like to share or add then let us know that'd be great that would be awesome um here we go this is going off of the site seattle terrors um and uh, i just wanted to give that cited quotation the uh right of way right there um uh so you know that way be like no i did not steal this i did not steal this you know <laughs> but our dear friend and awesome ally of unexpected hauntings lexi has uh let us know that they have uh a, a, a good a good amount of information about this place um about the sanatorium about just the, the 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 serial killer info in general and i feel like we should just start off with that and um see where that takes us this is a very well-known serial killer and uh here we go Without further ado, here we go. Let's go into the story behind Dr. Linda Hazard, the birth of a serial killer. Let's get into it. Linda Laura Burfield was born in Carver, Minnesota, where she grew up. When Linda decided to become a doctor, she went off to Minneapolis, leaving behind a husband and two children. She opened her first clinic in 1902, where she began her signature fasting treatment. 
According to Linda, any disease can be cured by fasting. From tuberculosis to a simple headache, she claimed the cause of illness was impure blood as a result of impaired digestion. Really, she is where she be this is where she began her serial murdering spree. Her treatments involved extreme starvation and harsh beatings, which were said to cleanse the body and soul. People began dying under her care. This brought Linda to her first brush with the law. The coroner ruled one of her patient's deaths as starvation. There was an attempt to bring her to justice, but she wasn't a licensed doctor, so she wasn't held accountable. Her victim's valuables had also disappeared, but it couldn't be proven that Linda seized her assets. Linda met and married Sam Hazard later that year. He was a former Marine who graduated from West Point, but his alcoholism ruined any chance he had at moving up in the military. The two got married in 1904, but Sam never got around to divorcing his first wife. That landed Sam in prison for two years. Sam was released in 1906. That's when the two decided to head west and continued, continue the racket they started in Minnesota. They landed in Puget South, purchasing 40 acres, acres in Alala, Washington. She then had her medical facility built, calling it Wilderness Heights. But it didn't take long for her quiet retreat to take on a much more horrifying name. And here we go into the story of why it is called the Starvation Heights, the Sanatorium. Wilderness Heights was sold as a quaint, relaxing hideaway for well-to-do women to cure their ailments. It seemed like a dream come true, whether for minor pains, tuberculosis, or cancer, one could see Dr. Linda Hazard and Alola and be cured within a week to a month. But the reality was much, much different. Linda wasn't a doctor. She was able to legally practice in Washington State without a license due to a clause that gave exemptions, ex exceptions to practitioners of alternative medicine. And Wilderness Heights wasn't a cure all for disease. Linda's regiment of fasting was actually one of, one of starvation and torture. If that wasn't enough, she robbed and defrauded her victims by forcing them to sign over control of their assets. Sam was in charge of the financials. Dr. Linz was known for her boisterous personality. She took complete control over her patients. Some of Linda's treatments included multiple daily enemas, massages that usually included severe beatings, and starvation-inducing diets. Her patients were usually fed one orange and some strained tomato juice every few days 
and maybe some soup, if they were lucky. If her victims didn't outright die, they were left with traumatic injuries. They would lose several pounds over the course of few weeks, damaging their internal organs. Her zombified patients were spotted fleeing Linda's property on multiple occasions, resembling living skeletons. Shocked, passers, passers, passerby, passersby, recall them begging for help, but more often for something to eat. Those that did die never officially died of starvation. The cause of death listed on the death certificate was usually some disease that Linda claimed was a pre-existing condition. They weren't allowed to leave either, not without forking over a fortune towards Dr. Linda's cause. She was planning on using the money to build a massive medical facility where she could run her medical death complex in a more efficient and evil manner. She thought she got her wish when Sam Hazard brought home one of the biggest fish Linda could ask for. Claire Williamson. Now, who is Claire Williamson, you ask? Well, here's a little bit about Claire Williamson. Claire and Dorothea Williamson were wealthy British social, 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 uh, socialites traveling through British Columbia when they stumbled upon an ad for Dr. Hazard's retreat on Wilderness Heights. They weren't exactly sick, but felt like they could use a pick-me-up. They both complained of minor aches, swollen glands, and general uneasiness, but both fans of alternative medicine. They were eager to make a visit to Olala and to see the wonderful Dr. Linda Hazard. Their vision contrasted sharply with reality. They imagined a beautiful countryside, a state complete with wildlife and plenty of land, but the Hazard's first had them stay in an apartment in Seattle's Capitol Hill for two months. They were fed broth every so often and subjected to hour-long enemas. By the time they were moved to the Wilderness Heights, excuse me, I just lost my place here. By the time they were moved to Wilderness Heights, the Williamson sisters each weighed about 70 pounds. The Williamsons never told their family where they were going. Their relatives usually disapproved of their antics anyways. And that was until Dorothea sent the letter to her children, to her childhood nurse in Australia, Margaret Conway. Knowing something was up when she read the, the non-essential letter, Margaret set sail for Vancouver, arranging a meeting with Sam Hazard. Upon her arrival, she was hit with devastating news. Claire was dead. And here is a little bit about the ghosts of Starvation Heights. In all, about 18 people were confirmed to have died under the care of Linda Hazard, though the true death count is said to be as high as 40. 
The old sanatorium building still stands today and as a private residence. Over the years, several paranormal phenomena have been witnessed around the home. And one of the former residents once found all of the dining room chairs piled against the bathroom door after she finished cooking. Another resident has seen the spirits of Linda's victims sitting on the upper ledge of the loft, seemingly too afraid to move. Cries for help have also been heard for the, for, through the vicinity of the old sanatorium. And it looks like you can actually go by there and go uh, check out the sanatorium, which is really, really cool. I'm going to definitely be uh, uh, posting a picture of what the Starvation Heights sanatorium looks like. Um, and also, and credit to our dear friend Lexi, um, they did, uh, she did send a um, little side note. Uh, to kind of give you like a depiction of what it looks like or what it's like at the Starvation Heights Sanatorium and uh, what she did with the bodies. It's very interesting. It's very intriguing, if you will. And um, here we go. This is what she said here. He said, um, after she would cremate a lot of the bodies, she would bury the ashes and she would specifically plant trees where she would bury them. And she lined them up perfectly to where all the trees at the front of the property were in a perfect quadrant line going down the driveway and up to the ravine to where she also used to dump some of the bodies. So, um, she did a lot of hiding of the bodies. Very interesting indeed. So, she even hid the bodies under the trees. Oh, that's an interesting aspect to, um, you know, to hide the bodies under the trees. That is very wild. So, if you look at the trees on the picture, it's very likely that there could be some bodies buried under there. And who knows? You know, it could be like some of the other serial killers where it's like they don't know the number. It could be, like it said, you know, it, 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 it could be, um, let's see, it said 18 people were confirmed. It could be as high as 40. Who knows? It could be even higher than 40. Who exactly knows? Um, you know, I mean, she, she says that she cremated the bodies. Who's to say she cremated even more? than that um just to save her own skin you know no pun intended <laughs> no pun intended whatsoever uh, but anyways thank you so very much for letting us know about this insane serial killer dr linda hazard there our dear friend um lexi and also goes by strange as well does a lot of streaming um, on the Twitch platform. So if you if you if you're on the Twitch platform, go check out the channel Strange X Fire. It's a lot of fun, a lot of goofy fun, and uh, thank you again.
so very much. See, it's as easy as that, folks. Easy as that. Just email us, unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear, um, you know, serial killer stuff. This, we'd love to talk serial killer. We'd love to talk paranormal. There's even some paranormal in this. Um, and, um, you know, I do believe that serial killers that have passed do haunt everyday life because I feel like they are not done. They're not fully done with what they started. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's very likely, very likely. Anyways, guys, unexpected hauntings, 739 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you right in to us. That'd be awesome. Q and a on Spotify and do that rating thing. Do the thanks. Do the star thanks. Give us five stars. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. You know? Um, who knows? Maybe if we get, you know, maybe if we get like enough ratings, who knows? Maybe I can get the girlfriend over here uh, and do an episode with us. That would be fun. Um, she's lived in, in the Penn State area um, all of her life. And there's some creepy places over here. And who knows? Maybe she has some stories that she would like to uh like to share who knows um anyways guys we're gonna go into the next story he is also called killed wow he is killed he is also called dr death that's right dr death insimiate the drums dun 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 you know if i could get my string deck to walk to work and go through that would be awesome well we're actually doing this um breaking up the pieces as you will um in, in the recording so we can't quite do that anymore i don't know why it won't my mic won't go through the obs system anymore it's very sad very sad but that's okay that's all right we'll figure it out you know uh technology this hates me from time to time i don't know if you guys feel that too from time to time but uh yeah kind of an everyday thing here <laughs> anyways let's get into this his name is harold shipman this british serial killer has killed over 200 of his patients that is insane to even think about and here we go let's get into this about the story and history of the serial killer Harold Shipman aka Dr. Death Born the middle child into a working class family on January 14th 1946, Harold Frederick Shipman, known as Fred, was a favorite child of his domineering mother. She instilled him in an early sense of of um, superiority. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that tainted most of his later relationships, leaving him an isolated adolescent with few friends. 
let's see. He was devastated by his mother's death by a disease, it says. Um, let's see. Sorry, guys. I'm just scrolling through a little bit. Um, this is going through the history. I want to get in the nitty-gritty part of this. You know what I'm saying? With you guys. Let's see. By 1974, he was a father of two and had joined a medical practice in Todmorden, Yorkshire, where he initially thrived as a family practitioner before allegedly becoming addicted to the painkiller Pethidine. Okay, I'm going to fuck this up. I'm going to fuck up the names of the drugs, names, and all this stuff, so bear with me. <laughs> He forged prescriptions for large amounts of the drug, and he was forced to leave the practice when he when caught by his medical colleagues in 1975, at which time he entered a drug rehab program. In the subsequent, subsequent inquiry, he received a small fine and a convic conviction for forgery. A few years later, Shipman was accepted under the staff at Donnybrook Medical Center in Hyde, where he ingratiated himself as a hard-working doctor who enjoyed the trust of patients and colleagues alike. Although he had a reputation for arrogance amongst junior staff, he remained on staff there for almost two decades, and his behavior behavior incurred only minor interest from other healthcare professionals. Here are some of the crimes that he has committed. The local undertaker noticed that Dr. Shipman's patients seemed to be dying at an unusually high rate and exhibited similar poses in death. Most were fully clothed and usually sitting up or reclining on a seat. He was concerned enough to approach Shipman about this directly, who reassured him that there was nothing to be concerned about. Later, another medical colleague, Dr. Susan Booth, also found the similarity disturbing, and the local coroner's office was alerted, who then contract contacted the police. A covert investigation followed by Shipman was cleared as it appeared that his records were in order. The inquiry failed to contact the General Medical Council or check criminal records, which would have yielded evidence of Shipman's previous record. Later, a more thorough investigation revealed that Shipman altered the medical records of his patients or corroborate their causes of death. Hiding behind his status as a caring family doctor, it is almost impossible to establish exactly when Shipman began killing his patients, or indeed exactly how many died at his hand, and his denial of all charges did nothing to assist the authorities. Indeed, his killing spree was only brought to an end thanks to the determination of Angela Woodruff the daughter of one of his victims, who refused to accept the explanations given for her mother's death. 
Kathleen Grundy, an active, wealthy 81-year-old widow, was found dead in her home in, on June 24, 1998, following, her, following an earlier visit by Shipman. Woodruff was advised by Shipman that an autopsy was not required and Grundy was buried in accordance with her daughter's wishes. Woodruff was a lawyer and had always handled her mother's affairs, so it was with some surprise that she discovered that another will existed. Leaving the bulk of her mother's estate to Dr. Shipman, Woodruff was convicted the document was a forgery and that Shipman had murdered her mother, forging the will to benefit from her death. She alerted the local police where Detective Superintendent Bernard Postles quickly came to the same conclusion upon examination of the evidence. Grundy's body was exhumed and post-mortem revealed that she had died of a morphine overdose administered within three hours of her death, precisely within the front time frame of Shipman's visit to her. Shipman's home was raided, yielding medical records on an odd collection of jewelry and an old typewriter, which proved to be the instrument upon which Grundy's forged will had been produced. It was immediately apparent to the police from the medical records seized that the case would extend further than the single death in question, and priority was given to those deaths it would be most productive to investigate, namely victims who had not been cremated and who had died following a home visit from, from shipment, which were given priority. Shipman had urged families to cremate their relatives in a large number of cases, stressing that no further investigation of their death was necessary. Even in instances where these relatives had died of causes previously known to the families, in situations where they did raise questions, Shipman would provide computerized medical notes that corroborated his cause of death pronouncements. Police later established that Shipman would, in most cases, alter these medical notes directly after killing the patient to ensure that his account matched the historical records. What Shipman had failed to grasp was that each alteration of the records would be time-stamped by the computer, enabling police to ascertain exactly what records had been altered. Following extensive investigations, which included numerous exhumations and autopsies, the police charged Shipman with 15 individual counts of murder on September 7, 1998, as well as one count of forgery. Shipman's trial commenced in Preston Crown Court on October 5, 1999. Attempts by his defense counsel to have Shipman tried in three separate phases. Cases with physical evidence, cases without the Grundy case, as well as have damning evidence 
relating to shipment's fraudulent accumulation of morphine and the other drugs were thrown out. And the trial proceeded on the 16 charges, including in the incident. The prosecution asserted that Shipman had killed the 15 patients because he enjoyed exercising control over life and death and dismayed any claims that he had been acting compassionately as one of his victims were suffering a terminal illness. Woodruff appeared to be the first witness. Her forthright manner and account of her unremitting determination to get the truth impressed the jury and attempts by Shipman's defense to undermine her were largely unsuccessful. Next, the government pathologist led the court through the gruesome post-mortem findings where morphine toxicity was the cause of death in most instances. As the trial progressed into the victims and the counts of their relatives, the pattern of Shipman's behavior became much clearer. A lack of compassion disregard for the wishes of attending relatives and reluctance to attempt to revive patients were bad enough, but another fraud also came to light. He would pretend to call the emergency services in the presence of relatives, then cancel the call out when the patient was discovered to be dead. The telephone records showed that no actual calls were made. And it shows here at the very bottom that it showed that he killed at least 250 of his patients. And possibly as many as 260 of his patients as well, injecting them with lethal doses of painkillers. So that's Harold Shipman, everyone, or Dr. Death. That is crazy. That is insane. And to even say that, you know, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, the person did say that, you know, they, they you know, wish death upon themselves if they were in a, in a lot of pain. But still, that's not up to him. You know, that is up to everyone else. Um... And I'm not going to go, you know, everyone has their own, um, you know, their own opinion, you know, exactly, you know, their own opinion of uh, when someone, you know, it's that person's time to go. And it looks like he had just a lot of enjoyment over it, almost too much enjoyment over it. Um, and that is crazy. Almost, you know, even up to 260 patience I think that that would have to be the highest killing um, serial killer I have ever ever heard of um, that is just insane that is so crazy and I believe let's see there was one person let's see was it dr. death that had um, the van it was like a portable van. 
Um, uh, let's see. Serial killer. Let's see. There is a serial killer van. And I believe... No, that's right. It was... Never mind. I think there was there was a uh, a serial killer that would he would also do. I believe it was a serial killer. I'll have to look more into it. Um, but there was a serial killer that he actually it was like a medical van that he would actually do like private injections and would kill you on the spot in the van and would dump the body. Um, it doesn't really say where he would dump the bodies and stuff, which is interesting. Uh, it looks like, I guess, he would just leave the bodies at the scene and would make it look like a suicide. That's what it sounds like here, uh, which is interesting. He didn't try to, you know, like, you know, like the other one, um, Dr. Linda Hazard didn't try to get rid of the evidence, per se, but uh, left the body at the scene. That's what it looks like. Um, and so I'm glad, though, that he is behind bars. Of course, um, it doesn't really say if he has passed, so I'm not quite sure. Um, oh, it shows, okay, 1946 through 2004. Okay, so he has passed. Okay. Um, and, of course, definitely Dr. Linda Hazard's passed, of course. That was a long time ago. Um, so, wow. Both insane serial killers. Again, unexpectedhaunting739 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your stories right into us. That would be awesome. Sorry, guys, I'm full of air just from drinking, I guess, this episode. Um, got into a fix now of just uh, keeping a drink over here. Um, over here in the room and just, you know. Uh, it's great to have just, you know, just a drink nearby. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope you guys have been enjoying this ep these episodes. I hope you guys enjoyed how this Halloween special episode as well. Um, if you'd like to hear more of this type of stuff, let us know in our Q and a and Spotify. That would be amazing. Um, but I believe that that will wrap up our Halloween special episode. Please stay safe out there. If you're out there trick-or-treating, um, have a great time if you're just handing out candy. And um, we'd love to hear from you. That would mean the absolute world. Thank you guys so very much for your continued support. We'll catch you on the next episode of Unexpected Hauntings and stay spooky, listeners. Listeners.